This podcast is sponsored by Active Skin Repair, a skin health company helping people heal with natural, non-toxic, medical-grade ingredients. So as the weather warms up, we're outside gardening or doing yard work. There are so many opportunities for skin issues, right? And for me, it's always a mystery to know what's going to irritate my skin, but I'm definitely out there itching and scratching. But the good news is active skin repair always seems to save the day. Active skin repair can be used to treat a wide range of skin issues, including cuts, scrapes, burns, sunburns, rashes, and other types of skin damage. It's also safe and non-toxic, making it suitable for use on all skin types, all parts of the body, and even on rosacea, eczema, and acne-prone skin. Here's what I want you to do. Visit ActiveSkinRepair.com to learn more about Active Skin Repair and get 20% off your order when you use code JOYFUL. Again, that's www.ActiveSkinRepair.com. Find out more about the product and get 20% off your order when you use the code JOYFUL. Hey, welcome to the Joyful Courage Podcast, a place for inspiration and transformation as we try and keep it together while parenting our tweens and teens. This is real work, people. And when we can focus on our own growth and nurturing the connection with our kids, we can move through the turbulence in a way that allows for relationships to remain intact. My name is Casey O'Rourke. I am your fearless host. I'm a positive discipline trainer, space holder coach, and the adolescent lead at Sproutable. I am also the mama to a 20-year-old daughter and 17-year-old son walking right beside you on this path of raising our kids with positive discipline and conscious parenting. This show is meant to be a resource to you, and I work really hard to keep it real, transparent, and authentic so that you feel seen and supported. Today is an interview, and I have no doubt that what you hear will be useful to you. Please don't forget, sharing truly is caring. If you love today's show, please pass the link around, snap a screenshot, post it on your socials, or text it to your friends. Together, we can make an even bigger impact on families all around the globe. I'm so glad that you're here. Enjoy the show. All right, listeners, welcome back. I am so glad that you are listening in today. Today we are amongst friends, friends in my life, friends of the podcast, two ladies that I have reached out to more than one time on my own personal parenting journey. You might know them, but I'm still gonna introduce them to you. First is my friend, Amy Lang, a sexual health educator for over 27 years. Amy helps parents learn how to talk with their kids about sexuality. With her lively, engaging, and down-to-earth style, she shows parents they really can become their kids' go-to birds and bees source. Amy is certified in neurodiversity and sexuality and helps parents of neurodiverse kids tackle this important part of parenting. She is the author of three books, and has online courses. Her podcast, Just Say This, reaches thousands of listeners each month. Amy is still married to her first husband, and they are getting the hang of parenting their recently launched man-child. She lives in Seattle, and you can learn more about her and her work at birdsandbeesandkids.com and bbkpros.com. My other friend in the virtual studio is Christy Keating. Christy is the founder 
of the Heartful Parenting Collective, which includes Heartful Parent Coaching, Savvy Parents Safe Kids, the Heartful Parent Academy, the Safe Parenting Summit, and the Heartful Parenting Podcast. I don't know why heartful is so hard for me to say. Christy is a licensed attorney turned certified parent coach, positive discipline educator, and fair play facilitator. Christy serves as a board member for the National Coalition to Prevent Child Sexual Abuse and Exploitation. She is a fierce advocate for women and family and loves working with parents on a wide variety of issues from behavior issues to balancing competing life demands. She loves helping parents and professionals discover newfound energy in their work, personal lives, and parenting. Christy is a strong believer that we are all, parents and professionals alike, deserving of support and that we never go wrong when we lift another parent up. Christy also lives in Seattle with her husband of 17 years and two amazing daughters. Hey, ladies. Hi. Hi. Hey, Casey. (laughs) I'm giving Christy the winky eye because she doesn't quite live in Seattle, but close enough. Close enough. Seattle-ish. Oh. We'll call it Seattle-ish. Well, we're all Pacific Northwesterners. We're all Western Washington gals. So there you go. I'm so excited to have you both here. This is a two-parter. So listeners, you are tuning into part one. And we're going to be talking about something that may be distressing to listeners. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Welcome to our world. And super important that we shed light on and make parents aware of this phenomenon, which isn't new, but feels like it has a whole new light on it. I don't know. Sugar dating. We're going to talk about sugar dating today. And listeners, you might be like, well, what the hell is that? So we're going to start with you two. What do you know about sugar dating? Amy, you want to go first? Well, I know that if I had known about sugar dating when I was a young 20-something, <laughs> I would have been all over it, <laughs> mostly. I would have been very interested. So from what I understand, sugar dating, or like it's like sugar daddies, like we've all heard that. So a sugar dating is yep. when you have a... Arrangement, usually it's an older guy with a younger woman, usually in her probably 20s-ish along in there. And they have an agreement that in exchange for sometimes money, trips, clothes, gifts, companionship, they date and have a relationship. So it is mutually beneficial. The young person gets to have all this fun stuff going on in her life with no real commitment with this older person who can shower her with attention, et cetera, et cetera. The older person who's looking for the dating, he gets the same kind of thing. And I was reading up on it, but you know, one of the things is that they really do want to be able to talk with the person. It's not just sex. It is more of a dating relationship, but it is not free. How's that work? It's not without strings. Yeah. What do you think? Yeah. Yeah. What would you add, Christy? I think that sort of is the gist of it. I will say that it is definitely usually younger very attractive women with significantly older men most of the time because they're the ones that often have the money. And it is a financial transactional relationship. Unlike my friend Amy, I think I would have been ooed out by this in my early 20s. (laughs) I'm still pretty ooed out. but And I think one thing that's really important to note is that yes, although they want to have some sort of a connection or like the older men are looking for some sort of a connection, many of the young women who are engaging in this are doing it with more than one man at a time. It's not an exclusive Mm -hmm. relationship in many cases. And there are websites 
that facilitate this, which I know we'll probably talk about. We need to talk about, but it's not just the, like, I happen to meet this old guy at the grocery store or at the bar. This is being actively facilitated through the internet. Yeah. Well, do you want to know what Wikipedia calls it? Sure. Yeah. Okay. So Wikipedia says that sugar dating is a pseudo-romantic transactional sexual relationship between an older, wealthy person and a younger person. So you guys nailed it. That's it. Yeah. And, you know, it's interesting. I have a friend whose daughter I was sitting with and she threw it out. You know, oh yeah, two of my roommates have sugar daddies. And there's this like reader board that has messages. You can like buy messages. And there was like a happy birthday message from blah, blah, blah. And I was driving with Rowan and she's like, that's a total sugar baby to her sugar daddy message. And I was like, how do you know that? And then we were in Cabo recently and we met this young girl. She's probably like 22. And she's there with this, I mean, probably my age, right? Like in his 50s guy. And she's like, oh yeah, he's my friend. They're sharing a room. They're partying together. And one of my girlfriends was like, that's a sugar situation going on. And so I feel like it's, you know, I'm going to buy a red car. And now I see red cars everywhere. It kind of feels like now that I've tuned my radar, I see it everywhere. And it's so interesting to have conversations with my kids about it because they're like, it's a Mm win-win, you know, and trying to be like, but it's not, you know, you immediately think about, okay, so is this just like glammed up prostitution? Like, is it the same? Is it different? I say yes. Christy's saying yes. Amy's like, yeah, I'd say it's glammed up sex work or sex work casual or something, right? Yeah. Sex work light, maybe. When I think about sex work, I think about, even though I know better, I know it looks in all kinds of different ways, but I think about the gals are out on Aurora, right? I think about the people who right. have like thriving sex work businesses. That's what they do, right? They're committed, comfortable, feel good about it. Like I think about all those things as being like, that's sex work. Like that's serious sex work, thoughtful. That's mm-hmm. what, this is what I do. And then of course, all the exploitative side of it. But for the sugar baby-ing, daddy-ing, if it's sex and there are goods and services and money being exchanged, that's work. She's working. Yeah. And I think we have to acknowledge that most of the young women who do this are coming from a place of desperation. They're not doing it because they want to have sex with a 70-year-old man. They're not doing it because they're attracted to that age group. And what I learned as I did some research for this episode is that the overwhelming majority of them are doing it to get their student loans paid or their rent paid. Mm -hmm. Like that just, I think, brings it to this. It's not empowering. It's they are desperate, right? They need this. It's not a win-win. I mean, yes, they're getting those things paid for, but what are we driving these young women to that that's what they need to do? And if you look up, and I don't have them in front of me, but if you look up the definitions, the Oxford English Dictionary definitions of prostitute, escort, sex worker, and sugar baby. They are virtually identical. There is no difference. Mm. It's the exchange of sex for money, period. Mm -hmm. I did my own research, right? I'm like, what comes up when I look this up, which is pretty crazy and very sugaring positive. Like I found a lot of like, here's 10 best practices for being a good sugar baby. And it's very upfront that this is a financial transaction, super matter of fact. And I keep thinking, okay, about the difference between, hey, I'm a 30-year-old woman, right? And I see this opportunity and I'm doing air quotes and I'm making a decision to engage in this agreement with an older guy. But 
really what we're talking about today is, yeah, like you said, Christy, 18, 19, 20-year-old college students, they are not adults, even though they think they are. They are not adults. And I really, like, I've tried to have conversations with my kids about this and tried to land the power dynamic and the vulnerability piece. And I feel like I'm falling flat in the conversation with them. So talk a little bit about that. I'll jump in there because when I was doing my research for this, I actually came across an episode that was produced by 60 Minutes Australia. And it was not positive towards sugar dating. I mean, they tried to be sort of neutral, reportery, whatever, but they really talked about some of the ugly underside of this. And that there are real Mm -hmm. risks to these women. And in fact, for anyone who doesn't know, as I said, this is facilitated through the internet. And there is a website and really was blown up this whole idea by this guy named Brandon Wade. I think he's originally from China. He now lives in Las Vegas. At the time of this show, he's 48 years old. So, you know, maybe a year or two older than that now. He has a 22-year-old sugar baby. Of course he does. And... I mean, he's built his fortune on the back of these old men and young women who are doing this. But one of the things that they really highlighted in this episode is that, you know, because of the power dynamic and because the assumption is we're exchanging money for sex, that puts these men fully in the driver's seat, fully in control, right? Because if a young woman is trying to get her rent paid or her student loans paid before they default, she is likely under this sort of a setup to do anything. And they told the story Mm -hmm. of this young woman who, you know, thought they were going out to a restaurant. Her so-called sugar daddy, in air quotes, took her directly to his house, forced, you know, various sexual acts upon her, and then kind of dropped her back off. And she was so ashamed she didn't end up asking for money. She filed a complaint through the website. Turns out this guy had eight previous complaints. They slapped him on the wrist, kept him off for like two weeks and then let him back on. And he's still an active participant on the sugaring website. So there are real dangers and risks to these individuals. And that's not to say anything about STIs and all of that sort of thing, right? And mental health, which we can talk about too. But thinking of this as a win-win or it's just a, it's all good in the sun, I think is real risky. But one of the problems is those adolescent brains, right? I mean, Mm -hmm. frankly, we'll go back Mm -hmm. to me again. I would have been in total control. I would have been a disaster. In my head, I would have been conscious. Like when I think we read the same article, Casey, where she's like, I'm 30. I'm going to test drive this. This is my plan. And she showed like how to become a sugar baby and all the things you need to think through and all this shit. And I think that in my head, I would have thought that I had it all together and that I was in control. So when you're talking to young folks and we have to think about like Milo's 23, like our kids are basically the same age. You have to think about like... Mm -hmm. What is it like when you're 23 or, you know, in that age range? And then to also think about how did they grow up? Like, what did they see? Tons of sexualized media. Mm -hmm. They've all been watching porn. Mm -hmm. Their friend culture is around like the hookup culture and all of that. And then all the emphasis on how you look. And then we've got social media that's saying, hey, look at me. I got this stuff from my guy, right? Like it all is in their heads. And so when you say there's a power imbalance, it's yada, yada, yada. There's a whole lot of, I think that would never happen to me. I would be in full control, right? I'm sure your family probably said that. It wouldn't happen. I'd be in total control. I know what's happening here. I understand the power dynamic. And sure they do. Sure they do. 
Hey friends, as a podcast listener myself, I always get so excited to share when I find a new show that I think is super useful. So today I want to tell you about Understood Explains. This is a podcast that tackles one important topic per season. And this season is all about navigating individualized education plans and is hosted by teacher and special education expert, Juliana Urtube. Getting the support our kids need in school can feel tricky, and we aren't always sure what it is that they need. When I listened to the episode titled, Does My Child Need an IEP? It offered up so much useful information that I could really see supporting parents who are in this consideration. The host is so knowledgeable and really breaks down the content in a way that helps listener go from completely overwhelmed to actually starting to feel empowered. Other episodes in the series highlight the difference between IEPs and 504 plans, as well as a whole episode that busts common myths about special education. To listen to Understood Explains, search for Understood Explains wherever you listen to podcasts. That's Understood Explains. So check it out. You won't be sorry. Warmer, sunnier days are calling. Thank God, spring into summer is my favorite time of year. After turning 50 last September, I've been really working on my physical health and well being and can honestly say that I am feeling better in my body than I have felt in a very long time. Yes, credit goes to movement and working out, but even more credit goes to how I'm feeding my body. That's why I love Factor. I fuel up with Factor's no prep, no mess meals, 35 different meal choices, and more than 60 add-ons to choose from every week. I always have a new flavor to explore. It's amazing. You can crush your wellness goals this May, keep time in the kitchen to a minimum, and enjoy effortless support for the lifestyle you want to be living with dietitian approved meals and ingredients you can trust from Factor. Head over to factormeals.com slash joyful50 and use the code joyful50 to get 50% off your first First box plus 20% off your next month. That's code joyful50 at factormeals.com slash joyful50. Again, that's 50% off your first box plus 20% off your next month while your subscription is active. Yes, yes, yes. Join me. Join me in the health revolution and feel really good this summer. In five years, you're like, hey, remember we had this conversation how the sugar dating was cool? They're probably going to say, oh, no, it's exploitive. It's all the things. It's all the things. So a lot of that is developmental. And then, you know, just all kind of comes back to what can you say to help someone understand that this is really just fundamentally not safe? Right? Like, What can you say to someone who knows everything? Right? Right. I don't know. Yeah. I wish I could say that I knew. The other thing too, is then we look at sex work and in our universe, right? Like we're all in liberal landia, right? Like there's lots of sex positivity and about right, making right. choices around sex work and that sex work is a legit job, like all of that, which I do believe to a degree, um, I think there's a whole lot of work, a whole lot of trouble. So there's a space for that. But if you're growing up in this sex positive culture and everybody's liberal and open and it's all body all autonomy, that, right? all that. Yeah. And then you say, Hey, look at this sex work light. It's not sex work. I mean, it's sex work. I mean, like your definitions, right? It's sex work. It is. Yeah. Well, and the other piece too, Amy, like listening to you talk about 
how our kids have grown up and the messages they've gotten. On top of that, what I'm hearing from my own kids around like, I'm never going to be able to buy a house. I'm never going to be, how am I ever going to be able to truly sustaining my lifestyle that isn't, you know, this dumpy apartment (laughs) that I currently live in, right? And so it makes sense. And my listeners, we talk about this. Behavior Mm -hmm. makes sense when we look through the lens of our kids. I watched a little doc that was through the BBC and this young gal went undercover on one of those sites. And whatever the site was that she was checking out, they make a big deal about this is not about sex. Even as everyone on there, it is all about sex. And so she goes undercover and she has a little chat with this guy and they make an agreement. We're going to meet. We're going to first meet at this coffee shop and then we're going to go to a hotel room. She gets there. She starts talking to him. He's really nice and really not creepy. She goes into the bathroom and does a little testimonial. She's like, so now I'm in this position. Obviously, I'm not going to go to the hotel with him, but now I feel bad. Now I feel bad. And I'm in a situation where it's hard for me to say, I don't want to do this thing. And there's that nuance too around the socialization and conditioning of, you know, a certain gender and how we show, I mean, it's real easy to say like, why I'd be like, fuck that, I'm not going to do it. But then you're in it and the person isn't super creepy. And she goes out and the guy is like, you know, it seems like you're really uncomfortable. And so- we don't have to do this. Like he happens to be probably the one percenter of sugar daddies. And she says, she's like, I'm sorry, I feel really bad, but I am uncomfortable, you know? And so she's like, I'll pay for the hotel room. And he says, don't worry about it. What I appreciated about that video was that moment where she was like, now I feel bad. Like the doorway out gets smaller, the closer you get to the act. And I think the adolescent brain plays into that as well. I mean, obviously it's how, you know, many of us, as you said, a particular gender, we're often raised to like, don't make a scene, don't make people feel bad, please everybody, you want everyone to be happy. And, you know, that's gender specific. But I also think that many of us, probably all three of us have grown out of that by our age, right? And we're like, screw that. You know, I can say no, if I'm uncomfortable with something. But when you're 19, 20, 21, and you have an undeveloped brain, you know, as Amy was talking about, like that dynamic playing into all of this, it just heightens the power differential between those people. And I mean, yeah. I think you're right. Like that girl who went undercover, either the dude knew that she was undercover and doing something, or she did legit get, you know, somebody who was respectful. But I mean, of course, there are assholes everywhere, but it could really be that a lot of them are like, I don't want to be in this sex work arrangement with a young person where the young person feels uncomfortable, right? But the fact that he said, let's meet for coffee, it's called an M&G. It's the first one. Like, let's M&G, meet and greet. And then let's go to the hotel. Oh, it's an M&G. Like, that's like straight up sex work. So if it's not sex work, what is that? Come on, people. Right? Anyway. um, But yes, so back to your point. Right. We're socialized to be nice, Right. Socialized to be nice, which is mm-hmm. why, Christy, your work's so important because you're like, no, you don't have to be nice. Right. Right. I mean, that's a big yeah. takeaway for everybody, right? Like one of the central messages of, you know, body safety is you do not have to be nice. Yep. You do not have to yeah. be nice. You know, here's the other piece of it though. And Casey, you asked sort of like, how do we talk to these young people? I hope this will resonate with listeners that, you know, this isn't a conversation you start when they're 22, right? This is a conversation that has hopefully, been building and growing over time with what we're doing 
from the time they're teeny tiny, you know, as Amy talks to parents and does a lot of work about how do parents talk to kids about sexuality? And I, you know, talk a lot about how do we talk about safety from a, you know, not scary kind of standpoint. But then as they hit those tween and teen years, we should be expanding and talking about what does a healthy relationship look like? What are your values, right? And their values mm-hmm. may very well be different than ours. Damn it, right? I hate, I hate that. that too. So annoying. <laughs> I really wish they would just do everything we told them to do. Yes. I mean, not really. I love that our kids are in many ways expanding our own mindsets around some things, but we want to have them tap into those values, the things that really matter to them and to think about what they really want for themselves, not just when they're 18 or 22, but what do they want for themselves when they're Mm -hmm. 40? And that's like so hard for young people to think about. But what if they are 25 and they meet the man of their dreams? Like really somebody that they connect with, peer age, who they want to spend their lives with. And now they have this history that they have to share of sex work. We need to call it what it is, like Amy was just doing. We need to call it sex work. They need to understand that it is sex work. And how is that going to play out and sort of help them think through some of those dynamics and what they really want for their own relationships? I mean, they may still say, yeah, and I can get a Rolex watch or whatever. Right. And we have to recognize that, as we just touched on, one of the hardest things in all of parenting, that we cannot control them. I know. God damn it. But if we're not having these conversations in any way, shape or form, there's so much more likely to end up right at risk. The other piece of this, and I I don't think we need to dive in in detail to this, but your daughter is right, Casey, who said like, how am I ever going to buy a house? Like we have screwed things up and set these kids up for unmanageable student loans, lifestyles that they cannot sustain easily. I mean, not that it should be easy, but you know, realistically. And so we do have a lot of young people acting out of desperation and that sucks. Yeah. Sure does. It sure does. I do agree with you. Like, I think the two sides of it, like talking about what do you hope for yourself in your relationships and what's healthy and what's that going to look like for you. But then also thinking about how do you want to show up in a relationship? Like what makes a good partner? And I think that what makes a good partner piece might resonate in a different way. Like does a good partner pay someone to do things for them? Does a good partner, like, where is that power imbalance thing, right? Like addressing that. But good news, I think most people think sugar daddying, babying, dating is gross. I think most kids think it's pretty gross. Yeah. To a degree. Like, <laughs> Well, I think yeah, there's kids and then there's our kids that have left the nest. I mean, yes, to the conversations yeah. we're having, 100%, so important. And then we're in this weird space of like, Oh God, like if you want to be a stripper, this is literally what Rowan said. If I want to be a stripper, what, are you going to stop loving me? And I'm like, well, no, (laughs) fuck. I'm not going to stop loving you. God, please don't be a stripper. I mean, no shade to strippers, but. I guess my point is that most likely most young people think, I don't think that's a good idea, right? But then there are people who are maybe like me who would be like, I could taking this idea. I probably wouldn't have done it, but I might have. I would have test driven this. Yeah. And it feels like a thing, one of the many things that just feels so much more normalized. And that's what makes me feel a little like, oh. And you know, and so your thing about like telling about your past, well, if you fall in love with someone, you can't tell them that you were a sugar baby, then that is not the person for you. Well, 
Yeah. Yeah, that's what. But also, I see what you're yeah. saying. Like, you want to look yeah. back and say, hey, you meet someone. It's like, hey, tell me about Be your proud. past. It's like, well. I okay. did go through this period. <laughs> I mean, I got to say, like, I'm a happily married woman to an amazing guy. And if I had said to him, well, I used to be a sex worker. I think he would have been like, oh shit. Like, that's not really, I'm like, I don't really like that. Right. Yeah. And that's not because he's not the right guy. He's an amazing guy. And so we also have to think about like, who are the quality of people that we're going to attract? I'm going to push back. I'm going to push back. Like I bonked everything I could get my hands on for about a year period. I was just Thinking I wasn't a sex worker, but man, I was having lots of sex. (laughs) Nobody was paying me. Damn it. But don't you think that when you bring money into it, it adds a different element? Yes. It does, right? A hundred percent. For sure. Yeah, I totally see your point. I think also like, again, when we're talking with young adults and their brains aren't quite there, you say that, you lay that out there and they're like, ah, whatever, it'll be fine. Like what I said, right? They'll love me for who I am, no matter what my past is. Dismiss. Here's another way to, I think, to talk to them about it potentially. Yes. And I'll start with a story. So my husband and I were in Las Vegas where we all know all sorts of (laughs) shit goes down, right? The Mecca of sex work. (laughs) We were sitting at a very nice, expensive restaurant in one of the nicer hotels. And there was a couple... I mean, I hesitate to use that word, but there were two people having dinner together and the man, I'm going to guess conservatively was 80. Like he looked like my dad and the young woman with him was 22, 23, somewhere in that range. Now, whether this was a sugar daddy situation or an escort, which we've already established, they're basically the same thing. I'm watching them and I'm sort of watching the dynamic and I'm watching the what I perceived to be false interest and the persona that these young women have to put on to maintain the money coming in, to maintain the relationship, right? She probably doesn't give two shits what this 80-year-old man is talking about. And she has to pretend like he's the most interesting person on the planet, right? And I watched this dynamic Mm -hmm. unfold. And so if we want to think about like talking to our kids, that might be another way to do it. Can you imagine actually sitting across the table from an 80-year-old man night after night after night and pretending that you're interested in him? And then look at that same 80-year-old man and do you really want to have sex with him? Right? Okay, this is terrible. My aunt and I, many years ago, my aunt is not that much older than me. We're very good friends. We're traveling together and we were sitting in the airport and our flight was delayed. And so we're sitting at this bar and we're watching the men go by. And I have to say for like the next five men that walk by, which one would you want to have sex with? (laughs) <laughs> terrible game. Sounds good. I mean, Fun it was game. kind of entertaining. It certainly <laughs> helped the time pass. Well, hey there, Busy Mama. Are you looking for ways to make your life easier, your home less chaotic, and at the same time, add more joy to your life? My name is Deanna Yates, and I'm the host of Wanna Be Clutter Free, a podcast all about letting go of the stuff we don't need in our lives so that we can focus on what truly matters. Don't worry, I'm not going to tell you to throw it all away or make you feel guilty about keeping something you love, no matter how many other people don't quite understand it. But I will give you practical and more importantly, actionable advice so that you can make progress right away. And you won't just hear it from me. There are amazing guests too. 
It's like having your bestie in your pocket, telling you it's okay to let go of the things that are not serving you and your family in a totally non-judgmental way. So join me over on the podcast where we can work on progress over perfection for those of us that want to be clutter-free. If you're a parent, I invite you to join us at the Mindful Mama podcast, where it's all about becoming a less irritable, more joyful parent. With sometimes hilarious and always thought-provoking experts and friends, at Mindful Mama, we know that you cannot give what you do not have. And when you have calm and peace within, then you can give it to your children. I'm Hunter Clark Fields, and I can't wait to see you there. Listen in to the Mindful Mama podcast. But if we do that and we're sitting at the airport or sitting at a cafe or at the grocery store with our kids, wherever we happen to be out and about with them, and we're like, okay, I want you to identify the next three 70 plus men who walk by, which one are you going to have sex with? That's when the you factor is going to kick in. But it's not always 70 year olds though, either. I mean, we're kind of holding this idea and I'm laughing because I'm thinking like old men, like I think there's a lot of 50 somethings. So we'll just call them older. So we all are in that age range, right? So to us, we're like, I know that's what I'm talking about. But do you remember how old 50 seemed when you were 19? That was old. Oh yeah. For sure. You know, pick your next five over 50s. Well, although Patrick Dempsey is the sexiest man alive right now and he is hot as hell. I'm just waiting for John Stamos. Has John Stamos ever had it? I don't know. Oh my God. He's He's such a babe. He's on my list. Pop. But like most of them aren't looking like George Clooney, right? Yeah, it's highly doubtful. Those guys can get a date. They don't need to pay for a date. And there's this whole idea of, well, I don't want any strings. So sugaring just makes it so there's no strings. And I think that if you're a good looking, powerful man, you're doing fine with dating with no strings. You know what I mean? Like, I don't know. Does that make sense? If you're dating and you don't have a financial relationship, If you're dating someone for dating, then there are all these expectations. There's expectations of any number of things, you know, riding off into the sunset together. But if you're in a sugar relationship, then the expectation is that you'll both do this as long as it's mutually beneficial and then you're done. Right. And that's the difference between, I think, the sugaring and the escorting. The escorting is more one off. The sugaring is we're having a air quotes relationship. Right. Right. So that would be the difference. Right. right? So it's same thing, same fucking thing, different style. Yeah. And Christy, I do think yeah. to your point about like, I'm hilarious about the game, but like, think <laughs> about that, right? Like, think about this dynamic, this age difference, this, all this interest different. I think that could be really effective. But one thing that kind of cued in my head is that it's not just straight folks. It's not just girls. It's gay men going Correct. after younger yep. gay guys. Like It's yeah. older women going after young. I mean, it's a real thing yeah. too. I think absolutely. the website that does this is really heavily geared towards older men and younger women, but you're absolutely right. And that's a dynamic we've seen in the LGBTQ community yeah. for years. Oh, yeah. Uh, you know? Oh, yeah. Chicken hawk. Yeah. Yeah. Chicken hawk. Well, college girls from Florida, apparently it's exploding at colleges in Florida. Yeah. So there you go. Yeah, if your kid goes to college in Florida, oh, I wonder have what DeSantis would have to say about that. <laughs> oh, it's not happening. That's oh, not right. A thing. These good yeah. Christian girls oh in it's Florida would. Yeah. Oh, man. I think we also have to talk about why they think it's empowering and why it actually isn't empowering. Yes, please. Let's talk about that. That's what I hear. That's what I'm reading. It's like you said to your point, Amy, like, I am making this decision, you know, I'm in control of this. Yeah. And I think that stems from, you know, 
And I'm a fan of sex positivity when used correctly, but I think there's also this, now we're teaching young women that if you're exchanging sex for money, that that's sex positive and empowering. And I think the way that we can kind of think about it is if one of you, i.e. the man in this heterosexual scenario we've set up, if one Mm -hmm. of you can pull the plug or demand more in order for you to get what you want out of it, then you're not the one in power and therefore it's not empowering, right? Yeah, that's great. Yeah, it is by definition, the older, wealthier man who is the one in the driver's seat here. Yeah, if my rent's being paid, if my bills are being subsidized by this relationship, then the power is not in my court. And if the power is not in your court, how is that empowering? But you've made the decision to put yourself in that circumstance. You made the conscious decision to put yourself in that space. So that's where it feels empowering. And back to me and my history. Right. Back to you and the the good old days. days. (laughs) I can totally relate to this because once I started having sex, I realized that I could have sex with anyone I wanted to. I could walk into a bar and pick that guy and I could bonk him. We'd have sex. And it was incredibly empowering for me to be able to do that until I realized that he didn't care it was me. And nothing to do with me. Yeah. Right. It had to do with getting off. Right. I'm good. Don't worry. I know. I'm thinking about little young Casey. (laughs) I was super empowered to do this thing. Really good. Yeah. And then I was later on, I was like, oh, that had nothing to do with me at the end of the day. The person who had the power was the person. Yeah. And it was risky. It was risky to do that. Mm -hmm. Totally. Well, and when we say, you know, it's empowering or they think it's empowering because they've made the decision to be there. Well, we all know, and we all did stupid shit that we could say, oh, I made the decision to do that. That in hindsight, we know. The fact that you bring so-called thought or intentionality to something does not by definition make it an empowering good decision, right? Those two things don't go together necessarily, Right. right? Right, yeah, they don't, they don't. So, I mean, kind of like what is empowering, right? So then that comes back to what we were talking about. Like, how do you empower a young person like to see that that's not a safe, good decision? Like to see that, like what you talked about, Casey, about you're not in control. <laughs> Hello, you're not in control. Yeah. Because of the, like you both said, like the plug can be pulled at any time. That means you have this zero control. You have zero control. You're not in control. Mm-hmm. Is there an analogy that doesn't relate it to sex? Like sometimes that, like sometimes we just need to have a different lens, right? To make something make sense, right? Yeah. I mean, drugs maybe, which I know is a really hazardous area as well. But right, if you take a substance that somebody hands you, yes, you're making that decision to put that in your body and you don't know what's in it or what's going to happen to you, right? Mm-hmm. I don't know. It's not a perfect analogy, but it's pretty good though. Cause you're in control and then you're out of control. Right. Well, and when I think about, and I so appreciate the work that both of you do with families. And I feel like when I'm talking to families, what I'm doing a lot of centering is the relationship that we're building with them. Right. And I feel like while we don't have control listeners, you hear me say this all the time, And especially, you know, then they leave the nest and they're young adults and they're making their choices. We still really don't have control. 
But what we always can continue to strengthen and develop is influence. And when we can be in relationship and not fly off the handle and freak out, if we find out that our kids' friends are doing this or we find out that they're doing this, when we can stay grounded and like curious and share what we know, but really ask a lot of questions and find out, like you, you know, often say, Amy, find out what they know first, you know, and inside of relationship, we get to be one of the Mm -hmm. voices in their heads. doesn't mean we're the ones Mm -hmm. they listen to, but we at least start to establish a seat at the table. I mean, obviously we have three parent educators right here. There's no perfect formula for how to make sure your kid never considers a sugar relationship. But there is a pretty good formula for ensuring that they do. (laughs) And that is not being in communication. Like, not doing yeah. exactly what you just yeah. said, which is focusing on the relationship and the connection and having these important yeah. conversations. Because if we're not giving them that grounding, and at least as you said, Casey, being one of the voices on the shoulder, then right. there's a lot of other voices that are all too happy to step in. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And if you're listening right now and you're like, oh God, this is the first time hearing about this. And oh my, this is just another thing. Like, I mean... Amy would say, I'm guessing like, check in with your kids, find out what they're talking about, you know, ask some questions, let them educate you, take some deep breaths. That, like let them say, you know what this is? Have you heard of it? Tell me about it. What do you think? Know anyone who's doing it? Would you do it? And then you could be me and say, I think I would have done it. And here would be my regrets, right? It's okay to say that kind of stuff to your kids. I mean, also, I mean, if you did do it, you know, one of my things about like revealing that kind of stuff about our sexual past with our kids, is it going to be traumatizing to them? Like, you know, what do they need to know that like about you? If you did have a sugar relationship or you did work in sex work, right? You have to really think about your kid and when they need to have that information. If you did work in sex work, I would say to withhold until they are older or if it does come on the table and then you can talk about your experience, but you know, not What is older to you? I feel like 18, 19, 20. I think that's a safe place to come out with this kind of stuff. I mean, with the sex work, that's kind of more complicated to me. But like with the sugaring, if you had a relationship that was sugar daddy-ish, like you can say, okay, I dated this older guy and this is what it was like. And then I realized that I had no control. And then I was out, Mm -hmm. right? I mean, Mm -hmm. that's a place where I think lots of straight women have been, where they had a wealthy boyfriend or someone who was taking care of them or whatever, and it was imbalanced, right? It was imbalanced. So yeah, yeah. sorry, the sex work thing, you know, there's so much complication around that, but don't tell your 15-year-old that you were a hookah. (laughs) No, no. (laughs) Same with the sexual abuse. Don't tell them you were sexually abused until they are much older, older. Right, right. Right. Because we're asking them to hold something that's pretty big and they might not have the tools. They won't have the tools to make meaning out of what you're sharing with them. I want to add something to that about talking to our kids. Because So my older daughter is a little bit younger, obviously, than both of your kids. So she's 14. And she, in getting ready for this conversation, I told her, you know, that, oh, I was going to be chatting with Casey and Amy and we're going to be, you know, talking about this sugaring. And she had not yet heard of it, which is, you know, is great. But so for any parents who are like, oh, I don't want to talk about it because I might give them ideas. Okay. No. Right. It's just the same thing that Amy and I say all the time when it comes to sex. Like we talk about it and the more we have all of these conversations and focus on connection and 
you know, everything we, that we've been talking about for the last hour, that is how we are more likely to prevent them from doing it. So yes, did I share something with my kid that she had never heard of before? Yeah, but now I've opened up the lines of communication around this, right? So that when, mm-hmm. you know, when she's 16 mm-hmm. or 17 or whatever, and we're talking about it again, or 15, whenever, tomorrow, <laughs> <laughs> right? There's a framework for that. And the bigger framework is that we've already had conversations about sex and relationships and everything, right? So yeah. now that being said, for anybody listening who's freaking out going, oh my God, I learned this from Amy Lang. It is never too late to start. Yeah. Yeah. It's yeah. Never too late. I mean, and also you just say, I feel really weird asking you about this. I didn't really know what it was. I listened to these three maniac women. I mean, these three incredibly brilliant people. And I just want to know, like, what is, have you heard of this? What is it? I feel weird. Just call it out. They love it. They love it. Yeah. Yeah. They love it. Yay. And I love that kind of like prepping the environment before you deep dive in. Thank you so much, ladies. Thank you so much for listening in today. Thank you to my Sproutable partners, as well as Chris Mann and the team at Podshaper for all the support with getting this show out there and making it sound good. Check out our offers for parents with kids of all ages and sign up for our newsletter to stay connected at besproutable.com. Tune back in later this week for our Thursday show, and I'll be back with another interview next Monday. Peace. When it comes to raising kids, there's so much to consider. Things like, what do we feed them? When do we feed them? How do they sleep? What does it look like to raise kind kids? How does their nervous system work? How do I keep myself calm? What are my triggers? There's so much that comes into play. And we are distilling all of that information for you at Voices of Your Village podcast, where we bring experts in the field of early childhood and education and psychology and across the board so that you don't have to comb the internet for information. You get to show up and hang out and have shame-free, judgment-free conversations and insights into what it looks like to raise kind, empathetic, emotionally intelligent humans. I'm Alyssa Blask Campbell. I have a master's degree in early childhood education. I'm a mom of two, and I am walking this journey right alongside you doing this work. Come hang out with me at Voices of Your Village, and we can dive into real conversations with actionable tips.